We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Today's guest is Tammy Barlett. She's a retired lieutenant colonel and fighter pilot. She's flown multiple aircrafts, accumulating more than 3,000 total flying hours. A Minnesota native with no ties to aviation, she grew up with the heart to serve her country and did just that. She joined Air Force ROTC at the University of Minnesota, and the possibility of becoming a pilot was presented to her for the first time. That is where her love of aviation began. Tammy completed specialized undergraduate pilot training in April of 2000, and upon graduation was immediately assigned to be an instructor in the T-37. After training hundreds of students, the skills of aerobatics, instruments, and information, she moved to fly the mighty A-10 Warhog, where she completed a routine tour and After an aircraft injury required cervical spine reconstruction, she transitioned to Arizona Air National Guard. She flew the MQ-1 Predator and the MQ-9 Reaper, accumulating over 1,500 hours of combat in both Iraq and Afghanistan, supporting and protecting our troops on the ground, providing real-time reconnaissance and lethal support. During this time, Tammy also graduated from the prestigious U.S. Air Force Weapons School. Desiring to get back into a high-performance aircraft and having a passion to teach, Tammy then transitioned to Air Force Reserves, instructing in the T-38 Talon and the last six years of her 20-year military career. Her focus was on balancing family life as a married mother of three children with instructing in the fast-paced environment of the Air Force's premier fighter training. She excelled at both, earning multiple awards and spearheading new programs to mentor and grow professional aviators. Additionally, while working full-time, running a business, and raising three kids, she earned her master's in Christian ministry. She retired from the Air Force in 2018 after 20 years of service and now runs Athena's Voice, a women's veteran speaking business featuring 13 female pilots on a mission to share the wisdom of women warriors. Tammy and her husband, who is a federal agent, reside in Tucson, Arizona with their three children. Tammy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to learn from you. Social courage. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I always thought it was interesting that I struggled with confidence, speaking up, kind of being the the one that was always standing out, just naturally being one of very few women, sometimes most often the only woman, you know, that I struggled with this courage thing. And so I thought about it and I thought people call me courageous, right? Here I am flying jets and every day, essentially putting my life on the line, whether it's putting my life on the line myself, because I'm, I'm flying some dangerous aircraft or I have a student in the front seat who's trying to land a really fast aircraft. Yet courage, when you look at the definition, 
it isn't just danger. It also talks about withstanding fear and difficulty. Mm. And fear and difficulty aren't limited to life-threatening situations. They, I mean, you think about social situations and that's where my courage kind of, when, you know, you talk about courage across different categories, that's where my courage kind of dropped off was in these social situations. And it was, you know, throughout my life, I kind of felt Mm. that way. But I, you know, I would press on anyways. I don't know, you know, just go. Like, when did you have that realization? When did you notice that paradox between being in this life-threatening situation, flying these aircrafts that are loaded with weapons, you're, you know, a couple hundred feet above the ground, and then you're like in a room with other humans and it, and that's scarier. Yeah, I think it, it had to do with where, where did I feel the amount of fear in, because I tr- always try and go after and try and defeat whatever it is that's in my way. Mm. And so this is a, a problem, right? So if I'm having fear, there's, there's a problem, I think. And so what is it that I'm afraid of? And they always say, face your fears, right? If something is a struggle, you should probably, that's probably the direction you need to go. Not yeah. the path that's smooth and easy and nice and friendly. You have to go the other way so you can grow. And yeah. so um, I think when it really struck me was really actually quite late in my career, what happened was, is that I got into an environment where in the squadron I was in, I felt actually for the first time that I was really seen, heard, and and people appreciated what I had to offer. Mm. Not that I wasn't, didn't feel like that. I felt like that more as a number in my Mm -hmm. other squadrons, like, oh, as a pilot in squadron, but I felt like this as an individual, people valued me. Mm -hmm. And when that happened and they showed that they believed in me, some of that, you know, when I, when my own belief wavered, Mm-hmm. it kind of filled in the gaps. And although people think, well, you have to believe in yourself. Well, absolutely. That's true. But I think that we're meant to be a team and work with people. So, you know, when, when my belief wavered and this squadron stepped in by and said, but you can, you know, mm-hmm. just, I kind of grew exponentially and realized my true potential. And that's really when my career started to flourish and I started to really stand out more stuff that I always knew I could do, but I didn't, you know, in the back of my mind, but wasn't willing to step out. Now I was because I wasn't afraid of the judgment. They weren't mm-hmm. judging me. Yeah. They were welcoming me. And that's when I realized that it was the social piece of it that was a struggle for me. Wow. And so do you remember the individual or the moment, like when that recognition and that being seen was so transformational for you? Well, I, w- I wouldn't say there was a particular moment. I mean, maybe the moment they asked me to go to weapons school, uh, yeah. that might be the moment. So when I, when I was flying A-10s, I had that, had the cervical spine reconstruction and I decided to transition to UAVs, unmanned planes are now called RPAs, remotely piloted aircraft, because that's clearly better for my neck. Right. And so I transitioned and they were very eager to get me on the team. And I, I just assumed, I mean, initially it was, they didn't know me that well. It was my background. So they had these remotely piloted aircraft that were initially just cameras in the sky. And now they threw weapons on them. And these pilots that were flying them, although they're very skilled, they weren't trained in weapon employment. I had a background in close air support, which is what the A-10 does a lot of. And now these unmanned planes were doing close air support and they thought, we want her. They wanted my background. And I knew that. And that's fine. I mean, that was my entry into the door. And I'm not saying they didn't appreciate who I was. But yeah. that background was intriguing to them. And I know that. And so, but then as my career kept going and I, I kept, you know, stepping up to the plate and doing what I could to help the team because they were really looking to me. When you ask something of someone, 
if it's you know high level, I mean, yeah. you ask them to do something down here, they're going to meet you there. You ask them something you think it's a little bit ridiculous. Oftentimes they will, they will rise to the occasion. And that's kind of what I did. And when I saw that happening, I was like, wait a minute. I, there's so, wow. I, there's so much more to me that I can offer if I just believed in myself. So their belief helped me believe in myself. And it just kind of compounded to a point okay. where I'm now five months pregnant with my second baby. And I got a call from the squadron commander saying, do you want to go to weapon school? Yeah. And I was like, were you kidding me? me? Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. And then I thought about it and I, I didn't think I could do it because here I am with two kids. And at that point, weapon school, I would have left for six months when my kids were three months and 18 months. Wow. And I was like, I don't think my husband's, husband's going to be okay with that. And I went home and I told him and he yeah. said, you have to go. This is, you have to go. And I was, I thought, what? Yeah. But his, his belief in me made me go, okay, yeah, sure. let's do this. Yeah. A man would do it because at first I was like, what kind of mom would do that? Leave their kids, you know, for six months and when they're so little and have I been judged? Absolutely. Um, but it gave him opportunity to step up to the plate and be, he's an amazing father. And, you know, my yeah. mom stepped in and we went and did it. But that was really the moment where it was like, wow, okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you brought up being judged. I think that's an important point to talk about as well related to social courage. And that is potentially why some people like to be in the shadows or a little more distant because they're afraid of being judged. They don't want to stand out. They don't want to, you know, put their opinions out there, being at risk of, you know, being stupid or controversial or on their own. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about just your experiences with, with that kind of judgment and holding your ground? Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things I talk about in my keynote is, is it's important for us to encourage people to be socially courageous on their own, to step out and to, to be brave and step out of their comfort zone. But everybody, I, just, just like we're, I mean, we're all individuals on so many different levels in so many different categories. The mm -hmm. same thing happens with social courage. Some people are like, I don't care what people think. And some people are like, I know I shouldn't care, but I, I do. So I'm not going to step out. And there are levels of social courage are vastly different. So I truly believe that, you know, as organizations, we need to meet these people where they're at, help, them, help bring them out. And the biggest way we do that is what you talked about is not judging. Mm. So, but how do you, I mean, cause it includes perceived judgment. A lot of, mm. a lot of like, even in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to not worry about what they think or what it is. I think that they think. So they're probably not even thinking that. And Honestly, it's kind of a selfish thought to be like, oh, they must be thinking about me all the time, right? That's what really helped me get over a lot of this is realizing yeah. it's really selfish to think that people are thinking about you all the right. time. Right. Yeah. They're you like, know? no. <laughs> but yeah, judgment is huge. And yeah. there's so many facets to it. So we can, one of the things I talk about in my keynote is, is, you know, encouraging questions and new ideas. And people are like, well, I do that. And I'm like, I know you do that. That's because I want to take it a step further. Mm -hmm. The power is actually in your response to those questions and new mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the words you say. It's not just the fact that you'll, you'll be, you'll soak up the information, but what's your tone of voice like, or your facial expression, yeah. body language, mm -hmm. you know, and there's lots of things that add to that. Cause I think that judgment is huge. And mm -hmm. so we got to call each other out on it and it's hard. Yeah. Right. And when you see someone shrinking because of something that you may have unintentionally communicated, like maybe you made a face and perhaps to you, that face was, I'm curious, 
But to the receiver of that piece, it was like, that was a really dumb idea. And then they shut up or they, you know, fade. So if you, if you observe someone withering like that, I mean, how can we be that cultural shift? How can, like, I love what you're saying. Like you almost have to be an ambassador for other people's social courage, right? So like, what can we do? Well, I, you know, I think we do. I, and I think that's fair. There's a lot of people who are like, well, if they don't have social courage, then I don't want, they don't have, can't even speak up. I don't want them there. But the, the problem I see with that is that they're already there. They're all around us and we don't know. And until you make that environment a little bit more friendly, you know, and that the biggest thing I say is, is remove that judgment. So encourage those questions and then not, don't respond with judgment. The other yeah. thing I like to talk about is, you know, listen to how people talk. A lot of times this, this judgment occurs behind someone's back. When I was a young wingman, I would be in the squadron, you know, heritage room after, after flying. And there was another flight in there talking and they would be talking behind some of their pilots back about a mistake they'd made. And mm-hmm. I would think to myself, I'm sure they talk about me like that. And it's not acceptable. And we do it all the time. I, I mm-hmm. still do it. And you know, we just got to stop even just the littlest mm-hmm. things. And then the other thing that, um, I like to talk about is, is giving grace, you know, to mm-hmm. yourself, first of all, because if you actually start working on this and you start working and looking at your environment and how much people talk about other people, you're going to find out you're going to be calling people out. They're going to be calling you out and you're going to get defensive if you're not ready yeah. because it doesn't feel good. And then you got to give grace to other people. I mean, like you were saying, we, we all learn at different rates. We have varying abilities. We, you know, we see the world differently. So when you, when you try to explain something to someone and they don't get it, yeah, don't judge them. Explain it a different way. Find someone else to explain it. They're mm-hmm. usually not trying to be, they're not trying to suck that day. You know I mean? Yeah. Nobody woke up and saying, I'm really going to blow it today. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even little conversations, let's say you're in a room and you're talking to somebody, but maybe there's somebody in front of you that you don't realize can hear you. Sometimes what you say may mute them. They're like, Oh, I'm, I'm not speaking up about that again. Sure. You know, and there's little phrases like, I can't believe you didn't know. Like uh-huh. that's usually meant very innocently, but it doesn't feel like that when it's you. Mm-hmm. Or if you start off and you say, no, everybody knows. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now you're the one person in the room who doesn't know. How do you, how are you feeling right now? And are you mm-hmm. going to ask that question? You're probably like, Oh, I had a question, but I'm not going to ask now. You know, the other thing that I think is interesting when people get up in front of a crowd and they're like, okay, so you probably already know this. And then they, they continue. Now that seems super innocent, but I know that when someone says that to me, I'm like, wait, I didn't know that I'm supposed to know that, you know, there's all these inner dialogues that happen inside our heads. And if we can help people not trigger those dialogues, yes. so much better. When we come back, Tammy will share with us about caring enough to ask, how are you? If you had more time in your day, what would you do with it? Listening to podcasts might not be the first thing you think of. Maybe that's because you're thinking podcasts take too much time to listen to. But what if there were podcasts designed with your time in mind? Podcasts that spoke to you. Podcasts that you could listen to in short segments. We've put together podcasts exactly like that. The Quad Pod Network is coming soon. Check out QODPOD.com for more details. And we're back with more from Tammy Barlett. When I was an instructor pilot, 
a lot of times I would hear other instructor pilots say, and I'd say, well, did you ask them what they were thinking? They're like, I don't care what they were thinking. This is how you do it. And, this is, and I'm like, well, wait, no, it matters. It yeah. matters what they were thinking. It might change your de debrief completely. And that even includes like, how are you doing? Yeah, That's sure. very, like, that doesn't often happen. Like, you got to be tough. Yeah, I get that people have to be tough, but there are moments that they, you, they need to know that somebody cares. And that yeah. moment, that moment of heart just might get them to believe in themselves if they're wavering. So when you recognize mm -hmm. that someone's lacking in that belief, hey, how are you doing? I think that's a really good call to action to our own courage. Because, like, when you talked about that range of courage, I think it does um, enable practicing courage to talk to someone who we have an issue with directly and even just checking in to clarify or say, you know, this is what happened today and this is how I felt about it. And, you know, checking in because very often there's more information that's necessary for us to get the full picture, but we don't always get that additional information. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you and I are both, part of an organization that, that believes in, you know, no critics, right? It was interesting because my speech topic falls right in line with how they run their operations there. And I, I've been through a lot of training in my life and I have to say hands down that, that the training they give there is some of the most phenomenal training. I mean, obviously because they're well-trained and it's professionally run, but yeah. one of the biggest things is because of that no criticism allowed mm -hmm. mentality. And I, I realized that, you know, in the fighter pilot community, it, it has to be, there's high standards, limited errors, direct criticism, it's all, but it's how is it, how is it given? When is it given? Mm -hmm. You know, it's necessary to have those high standards, but you don't sure. have to be a jerk about it. And when he said that, I was like, you know, I want to go there. I want to be able to, you know, mm -hmm. try out my speech and not, not worry if someone's going, oh, she said, um, 15 times, Yeah. you know? And so right. when I went to HPS, this is what's really interesting. So I went in person for training for a couple of days. Yeah. And I remember the first session, there were a lot of moments where I was like biting my tongue going, oh my gosh, I'm thinking these bad things. I'm thinking she's saying, um, or that person seems really nervous or he's pacing, you know, because as we're watching people speak sure. and, and they're being vulnerable, they're going up, there trying things. It's just amazing. But what's really interesting is that, you know, I stopped myself and that's the first step, right? Mm -hmm. The next time I came to this training, it was all I started to see was all the good things they were the potential. doing, all yeah. the things they were doing right and how brave they were being. And I didn't see any of these yucky things anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is what it's like yeah. to have that environment where people aren't criticizing. Right. I do think that very often when people are giving constructive feedback, it could be perceived as criticism and it's in effort to help somebody to be better. But, but what they create there at heroic public speaking that you're referring to is that they have these professional coaches and trainers who are going to do that part of it. Your job is to be supportive and to recognize the talent and see the potential and, you know, describe how that made you feel and those, those really useful things. Yeah. I mean, what you see on the outside is the problem. Right. And people try and fix that band-aid, fix that. Right. But yeah. sometimes it's much deeper mm. and that will solve multiple problems. If you're actually trying to care about what the root cause is of the problem. And the individual who's experiencing the problem, because what I'm hearing you say is when you do that level of investigation and understanding, you are helping that person uncover something deeper, which that could be a barrier in so many areas of their life. Um, so what you're bringing up right now, I think is leadership and generous leadership. What are some ways that you have experienced generosity in the military? 
I think the simple fact that the people in the military are willing to put their life on the line for our country. I mean, talk about the most generous act you can possibly have. I mean, not everyone is in there going, I'm going to go on the front lines. I get that. Mm -hmm. But the ultimate, ultimately you join the military, there's potential there. Mm -hmm. So there's some willingness. And I, th I think that's hugely generous. There's lots of people who step up in ways that I'm not saying they wouldn't outside the military, but the opportunity isn't there. Right. So it really, you get a chance to see the generous hearts that are within the military community. And I'm not just talking about military members. I'm talking about the spouses. I'm talking about the children. I'm talking about the civilians that work there. It's, it, it's a, you know, well-oiled machine, mm -hmm. but it needs to have, the people are the heart of it. And so yeah. they really, you know, they, they make meals for people when they have babies and they, they watch kids at all hours of the night. They run air. I mean, there's, there's so many things. There's things I don't even know about that people have done. It's yeah. amazing. So generous. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that investment in people. And, you know, when you were talking about the, um, the ways in which you have been working through and strengthening your social courage, um, you know, we can't do that on our own either. Right. We, we can, no. we can, some of it's internal, but some of it requires those, um, those allies of the supporters of the people who are believing in you when you don't believe in you sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we're social creatures. We're meant yeah. to care about each other. We're meant to love each other. We're meant to, you know, help each other. And yeah. although our society has a lot of like, you can do it on your own. I think we're realizing a little bit more in the past few years, especially that, well, a, we need, yeah, we can, but it does. You're not going to get as far. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can get so much further together, even though, I mean, everybody always knows that, but especially in the military, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're tough, you got this. Um, but inside we all have feelings and, and, you know, reach out to other people and help them with that. It doesn't show weakness. And yeah. just because, just because you're reaching out to someone thinking they need help doesn't mean they're weak. Yeah. They, you know, we all have struggles, right. And you're going to get mm -hmm. through it faster if someone can help you and recognize and, and get you through that. So, you know, I think it shows strength and, you know, that generous nature of recognizing that and offering the help and, and, you know, being authentic about it, you know, yeah. don't offer help if you don't really want, if you're not really genuine about it, because it'll be felt on the other side. But what are some things that you've experienced in your life as, as generous dividends? I personally just, I love helping other people. And I think it's because there is that return on, on your investment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, not because I'm getting something back from them, but because I'm growing as a person, like I'm growing my patience. I'm, I'm growing my generosity. I'm growing, you know, my ability to, you know, trust and read people and care about them. There's just so much yeah. growth that happens. And I think, I truly think that's why we're here, yeah. you know, is, is not to get my name in lights and have people remember my name, but everybody be better people. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're all in different places and sometimes I'm going to have a lot of strength and I, I can help you. And yeah. you know, some days it's going to be the other way around, but I hope it comes back to me if I ever need it. And one of the lines in your mission statement that's on the Athena's voice website, um, I have a passion for people and my communication and relational style is selfless humble and caring. I want to change hearts and inspire others to believe in themselves so that they can become their best selves and achieve great things. Tell me more about that, that part of your mission statement. Yeah, well, I just think that that whole belief in yourself and getting rid of that judgment, perceived judgment, all that, it, that, that judgment really stops us. You know, you talk about Athena's voice and this kind of brings a really good segue into that. 
is that I, I didn't have any intention of starting this business when I was thinking about retiring. My husband actually, like probably five years before retiring, he said, I know what you're going to do when you retire. And I, I said, looked at him and I said, yeah, Rodan and Fields. Like I'm a consultant with Rodan and Fields. I started that business so I could like just be at home with the yeah. kids. And he goes, motivational speaking. And I instantly, all I could feel was that tension of, <gasps> yeah, I don't want to be on stage. Yeah. I don't want people up looking at me, judging me in the limelight. I'd rather be like the person, like writing the speech for the person on this. Sure. We, we all have a little bit of ego, right? Like that would be cool, but I really, yeah. my heart doesn't want to be up there. It was like, oh, but then over a couple of years time, I really kind of thought about it. And I thought, wait a minute. What if? I wait, I speak every day for my job. Now, not keynote type speaking, but speak in front of people every day, multiple mm -hmm. times. And then oftentimes I would get asked to speak on stage about my unique career and it would be really nerve wracking. But once I got up there and kind of settled in and started giving, being just generous with everything, because like authentic, the real me, like you ask a question, you're going to get the answer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would just stand up and I'd tell my story and, and share a message that I thought was helpful. And yeah. the, the feedback you could feel it while you're up there. And then when I get off the stage, so many people come to me and say, say thank you for telling me like it is. And, and I'm like, what else would I do? I mean, how else are you supposed to do this? That combined with the fact that I was, I started and ended my career at the same base. So mm -hmm. I was instructor pilot mm -hmm. at Laughlin for my first assignment. I retired as an instructor pilot at Laughlin in a different aircraft, but, and the numbers of women weren't increasing. It was the same environment that I had gone through almost exactly. I mean, I hear people saying, well, I can't do it because I'm a, you know, I'm, I want to have family or I can't do, you know, I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I thought about the wasps. And if you're not familiar with the wasps, they were women that flew in world war II. Mm -hmm. They flew all the aircraft. They did amazing things. And then when their time was up, they're like, see ya. And they just went back to their own lives. And a lot of them didn't tell their stories. Nobody knew what they did. Mm -hmm. Nobody, many people haven't even heard of them. Wow. I realized, man, if they had gotten their stories out, then maybe some of the things that the women, when they started flying again, really in the seventies, they wouldn't have had to go through again. So what I like to say is if you go to dig a path out, you got to light it for those behind you, because mm -hmm. otherwise they're going to start digging a new path and they might not even get as far as you did, but if they start going up your path, they can take it further. So mm -hmm. my goal is to take that light and shine it on that path behind me so that people can take my path and go further than I've gone. I need to be generous with my experience and mm. wisdom that I've gained over the years. I mean, what am I going to do with it? My co-founder, uh, Heather Penny, her and I sat down and she said, you know what? There's not enough women out there speaking. I mean, men talk about awesome leadership. I mean, they're out there killing it and let's go kill it with them. Right. I feel like now we have an obligation to help those behind us. Now yeah. That we've been there, done that, and not let them struggle through what we struggled through. And that's so gratifying too. I think that there's like a ripple effect of your own sacrifice that you can benefit from by, by paying it forward and being a mentor to others. Oh, well, thank you, Tammy, for sharing your experience with us, for encouraging us to take one step forward out of our comfort zone to build our social courage. ROG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Tammy shared so many nuggets of wisdom and enabled us to understand this concept of social courage. Now, 
Most of us have never had the experience of being a lieutenant colonel and a fighter pilot in the U.S. Air Force. But I venture to guess all of us have experienced the fear of walking into a room and feeling judged. Whether that's a business meeting, someone's home, a networking event, or a circle of friends, where we feel like we don't belong, or that we're judged, or that we're not enough. Every single person has felt that way. So for Tammy to help us unpack that distinction between being more afraid and self-conscious in a social circle than in war helps to illuminate how real and deep this is for us. So at work, how can we create environments where people feel like they belong, that they're welcome, that they are accepted as they are? How might we provide feedback to people in a way that's constructive and useful absent of judgment and criticism, pouring into and caring about people in a way that they feel supported and encouraged. How can we shine a light? Who needs some of the light that you have? Think about the experience, the privilege, the opportunities, and the network that you have that you could make available to others in your organization. How can you be a light? Let's look for ways to use our true potential, strengthen social courage, believe in ourselves, face our fear, and know that we're all in this together. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.